Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. We've got Rhiannon and Adam with us today. As always, I'm Caleb. Uh, guys, are you still on the internet, or have you given up the internet yet for Endgame? I'm still on the internet, and it's really not that scary. How much time do you spend on Facebook? I'm partially. I, I cleansed myself for a moment there out of frustration. Uh, but then I downloaded Twitter again because I have a whole lot of stuff muted on Twitter. Did you did you update the is Adam still on Twitter? Uh, no, I totally forgot about that <laughs> until this very instant, actually. But no, I, I'm on Twitter. Facebook's just Facebook. Now I hate Facebook. Probably more than Twitter. You got to be careful out there, man. People are jerks. Good Lord. I was about to say, now, Adam, did you get majorly spoiled this week or just a little spoiled? Oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I got majorly spoiled, like, all big time. Uh, spo- and that that's the thing. All I was was scrolling through the uh, scrolling through the news feed, and I'm in all these comic groups and comic collecting groups and all that stuff. And the person uh, posted an album of the stills of the leaked footage. So Ugh. then I'm like, oh, well, that's, there's that. But, uh... Yeah, it is what it is. Fear not, listeners. We're going to basically not talk to Adam at all about Endgame this week. Um, Our episode will be a little unusual today because we are going to not really talk about this big thing that's happening. And we'll hit some other stuff. Um, I know I have... I'm not on Twitter anymore (laughs) until this movie's over. And I've kept my Facebook completely clear of comic people. So I think we're going to be okay, but... Uh, anyways, yeah, this show will be a little bit different than usual because we are starting to already kind of pull out of uh, comic stuff, but uh, I think we'll we'll still have a good show for you. Uh, let's start out talking about Disney Plus. So they had a big call about the Disney Plus shows that happened last week, and unfortunately, it just really was not good timing for us as a show. Um, but nonetheless, uh, we were uh, we'll talk about it now. Um, I'm trying to remember all the major news. We found out Disney Plus is going to cost uh, $6.99 a month. It's going to come out November 12th. It will... Um, the thing I think was the biggest thing about it is uh, we got uh, dates and the Loki show is going to be in the first quarter, I think it was. A year, it was a year one show and the Falcon and Bucky show is a year one show. But WandaVision, oh no, wait a minute, Loki was a year two show, and the, also they're calling Scarlet Witch and Vision show WandaVision. We needed to stop for a second and talk about that. What are they thinking? I have yet to hear anyone who likes that name. It's much more exciting if you pronounce it WandaVision and think of it as a <laughs> telenovela, and, but that has nothing to do with Vision and Wanda, um. But in my head, it's been WandaVision, which, you know, better than WandaVision, which sounds like they're going to put on dorky glasses and like. Anything, yeah, anything's better than WandaVision. Good Lord. I, how did that get greenlit? I don't know. It's just so silly and uh, it's bad. It's very, very bad. Do we know the showrunner for WandaVision? Yes, yeah, somewhere. The Rick and Morty person, right? Okay, so it's not Scott Buck. Oh, could be. <laughs> just as well. Might as well be. Good lord. Oh. I have... Yeah, it's just... That title's so weird. But, I, I mean, seriously, I was very disappointed. It looks like the Bucky Falcon show's coming pretty quick, but then the Loki and the WandaVision show were both listed as year two, uh, as when they were coming out, and the Hawkeye show wasn't even confirmed. I think I was surprised. I mean, Adam, we talked about it last week. Were you surprised... How long it's going to take before we get much Marvel stuff on here? Oh, not really. I mean, it's going to be quicker than what we think because what they're so I think their fiscal year is October, right? Or, or I don't know. It's at least a couple years ahead of or a couple months. Couple years. Yeah, the no, fiscal couple, years. Couple yeah. months. So I mean, the the timing's off, but I mean, we're getting the three shows between. I mean, we're getting three shows in the same time frame as the last three Netflix shows, probably. Speaking of Netflix shows, I mean, we still have one left. You guys know that? You remember that? 
Yeah, I remember that. I figure any day they'll, like, release a trailer and everybody will be like, holy crap, I forgot that exists. Yeah, I was thinking today I need to check to make sure it's not on the streaming service already, so. I'm just looking, I'm looking for the fiscal year calendar for Disney. And, I mean, I think it's pretty on par with the, with the calendar year. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's like November 1st for them or something like that, so. Okay. Are you sure? But this means. I thought that. In May, they did their quarter two earnings report. So that's on, that's. So if that has April, March, February as quarter two, then January, December, November as quarter one makes sense. So November being the beginning of their fiscal year, which is silly. Accountants, stop doing that crap. (laughs) Which is terrifying because, I mean, terrifying. It's 19 months then until we see this Loki show, which, good gracious. I mean, we thought that these shows would tide us over in like a, a slow year next year. Um. And we're not going to get any of it till the end. I just, it's just very disappointing to me. Uh, the What If show, I think, is coming in year one. And they did reveal their first What If is going to be uh, what if Peggy Carter had become Captain America instead of Steve Rogers. Which I think will be a lot of fun. That's exciting. What do you guys think of, like, the price point? I mean, there was lots of details. They said, I mean, we need to talk about more generically outside of Marvel. They showed, uh, we've seen some footage now from the Mandalorian, or at least you have if you watch somebody who illegally put it on YouTube. Uh, they've told us that this all like 300 episodes of The Simpsons is going to be on Disney+. Plus. Uh, they revealed that the entire Star Wars catalog will be on there within the first year. All kinds of little things like this. I mean, is it feeling like a good value for you? Like, will you begrudgingly get it because of Marvel stuff? Or are you pretty excited about the service all around? No, it's stupid not to. Six nine. What is it? Seventy bucks a year if you go with an annual subscription, and essentially the whole vault, or at least the classics. Every classic's going to be on it, right at launch. I mean, it's that's less than DC Universe. I think DC Universe cost me seventy four ninety nine per year, um, or per the year. So it's even if Star Wars or not Star Wars, even if the Marvel Studio shows weren't on it, um, I would definitely probably most likely get it. Yeah, same. I mean, it's crazy good deal and they're creating quality content. Um, I mean, Netflix and I think I mean, there was plenty of stuff out there that Netflix like. I mean, I don't know. When I quit my subscription to Netflix, it was up to like fourteen ninety nine for like HD, whatever. Was there any news on if they would have different tiers of service? It's starting at the six ninety nine price, right? Um, I saw one graphic that shared that showed like um, it showed Hulu and it showed Disney Plus, it showed ESPN Plus, and Hotstar, which is apparently their Indian programming. Uh, streaming service that I didn't realize Disney owned. Cool. It's got lots of cricket on it, apparently. But there was this graphic that showed the three of them, and Hulu had tiers of, like, basic, HD, non-commercial, whatever. But Mm -hmm. Disney Plus had one single price on it, which suggests to me, at least early on, it's going to be the same quality for everything. That's cool, if it's high quality. Yeah. No, no, that, I mean, that, that, that was awesome. I mean, everything about it is sounding good right now. It's sounding like they are coming in and just heading straight at Netflix. I mean, there there was nothing. There's no way Netflix can compete with this. Yeah, I'm not. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. Like the Mandalorian footage, you know, I saw was what somebody took on their cell phone in a conference off the big screen, you know, dodging Disney snipers. So it's hard to tell exactly how good it looks, but it seems like that stuff anyways is film quality. Like uh, as far as the aesthetics, the costumes, the special effects, I mean, all the stuff I saw out of both the Mandalorian and Clone War panels suggested that we're going to get legitimately really, really high quality things. And I don't, I don't anticipate Marvel being any different. So that's that really it kind of pumped me up to see some of that footage and to see how good that looked on the Star Wars side. All right, was there anything else that we had from that Disney Plus stuff? 
Captain Marvel is dropping the day it launches. Oh yes. Also, did I don't know if you saw this somewhere? Somebody wrote that they're shortening the window before it'll release on Disney Plus. Like currently, the movie comes out in theaters, and then a few months later, you get like a digital release and a Blu-ray release, and then it's another month or two until Netflix. But that Disney is choosing to shorten that so that it'll come out on Disney Plus before it comes out on Blu-ray or home video. Did anyone else see that? Or I, I didn't trust it because I saw it on like a random website. But I think I saw something. Did you? I I didn't see it. No, I mean that makes sense, right? Because don't most people buy digital, anyways? I mean, I still buy Blu-rays because I'm a completionist, but. I mean, it seems digital, and then skip a couple months, and then just do the. I mean, they could put they could put the Netflix stuff or Disney Plus, excuse me, as close to the the Blu-ray stuff as possible. Um, I mean, it's it, it's really late for. I mean, at least with Captain Marvel, it's hitting a streaming service incredibly late. Well, though, that's just because they don't have a streaming service to put it on, right? Right, right, right. So the, it's the exception. But are um, they doing a video release before the streaming service for Captain Marvel? Oh, I'm sure. I haven't heard the details yet, but I'm sure it, they will. I guess I just think that they could lose money on it. Because I know like, I bought Doctor Strange because I just really, really wanted to see it again. And I wasn't going to put up with another like two months to wait for it to come on Netflix. So I shelled out 20 bucks or whatever to get, you know... To get it on home video, and then I watch, you know, then watch it again on Netflix, and so I just would think that there'd be some loss of revenue there. But maybe they're already seeing that loss of revenue with people just waiting for Netflix. So I don't know. Look at the movies that are coming out with it. Disney's going to make enough money this year to sustain them for the next two decades. So talking about money, we don't have a whole lot of other news, but we did want to talk about. We saw an article today over on deadline uh, that Marvel has already made $200 million on product tie-ins. So like when McDonald's does toys for Endgame, they have to give uh, money to Marvel for Marvel to agree to that tie-in. And they have already brought in 200 million on this more than any movie has ever done on these kinds of deals. Deadline is reported. Um, this is really significant. I don't know if people totally know how box office works, but like when we talk about opening weekend and end game, we think might get as high as 300 million opening weekend. Only about half of that money domestically actually goes into Disney's pocket and only about a third of it internationally goes to Disney's pocket. So when we say that, like, uh, for example, when we said that infinity war made $2 billion at the box office, it did, but it only made probably eight hundred million or so, um, at like eight or nine hundred million for Disney of that, and the rest of it went to the theaters and the chains and all that stuff. And so, two hundred million of tie-in products means that they basically have a four hundred million dollar U.S. opening weekend already before they sold a single ticket. Like it's just massive amounts of money from Audi and Mick you know, McDonald's and all these people. Um, I was just kind of knocked, oh, knocked away. That's not it. Blown away by like, that's a gigantic number that they're already pulling in from not having even sold a ticket to this movie. Uh, it, it, I mean, that figure doesn't, certainly doesn't include consumer products either, right? Yeah. So no toys or anything like that. guess yeah. not. Right. That's so I didn't even money. realize they made money on that type of thing. I thought they paid for that type of thing. Like, I thought if your Happy Meal had an Avenger on it, that Disney paid to have that Avenger on the Happy Meal box. But what you're saying is, like, if a Happy Meal has an Avenger toy inside, McDonald's has paid Disney to have an Avenger toy. Yeah, at least where it is today, if I read that article correctly, uh, they've discovered that people like Doritos and Hanes have found, like, their sales jump 30 50% if the packaging has a character from Avengers on it. Wow. And so, um, so yes, they pay. And, you know, it kind of makes sense. 
I am more likely to go, oh, those Doritos have Rocket on it. I'm going to go buy those than I am to go, oh, I wasn't going to see Endgame, but if there's Doritos in it, I'm going to watch that movie now. You know, like it doesn't work the other way. We kind of hate the product placement in the movie, whereas we kind of love it when it's, you know, slapped onto our Coke can or whatever. And once you get into, I mean, you get into McDonald's and stuff like that, you start introducing toys and... uh... I saw the little like visor things or whatever they're handing out. I mean, then you get into the realm of licensing and all sorts of gravy train money. Yeah, I just thought it went the other way. I don't know. I what a position to be in, right? Right, like, hey, we're going to pay you to market your. <laughs> yeah, money. like we're going to pay you to use your characters, put on our stuff that we're going to put up on, you know, on the walls and everything that are going to make everybody think about your product that they can then go buy. Like, what a racket. I mean, what a bunch <laughs> of idiots. Who would produce something and spend hours every week helping to market movies for a company like Disney and not get Shush paid you. for it? <laughs> Shush you. <laughs> I, do, I do think sometimes that we're doing Disney so many favors by creating a podcast that helps Adam at this point starts drinking his Coca-Cola <laughs> on screen. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, there we go. I didn't even, what other brand do I have? <laughs> yeah. I don't... Oh, that's funny. Who knows what all I'm advertising behind me other than, I don't know. How do you know it was a Coke? I don't know who wrote the check. Could be Pepsi. Could be RC. I don't know. Hmm. No, we could clearly see that was a Coke cam. Yeah. Oh, could you? Uh, yeah. You, you positioned it just perfectly it. that everybody could see that you were drinking a Coca-Cola. Well, we'll, we'll just delete that from the final Patreon stream. I, I'll tape up a notepad or... Yeah, because otherwise we'll have to pay Coke whatever it's worth to boost our podcast. We'll see if our podcast True. listens go up. Because in this video that most of our listeners can't see, there's Coca-Cola in it. <laughs> Um, last bit of news that I have uh, that Rhiannon found is apparently Marvel Studios is close to another Eternals casting. Again, our show sucks at talking about casting, and it's going to be so for this one because, and again, apologies to this actor, Ma Dong Sok, uh, also known as Don Lee, I can pronounce Don Lee, uh, is apparently going to make his American film debut in The Eternals. I have no idea who he's going to play. Um, but he is apparently a well-known South Korean actor who they are bringing into the Eternals fold. So, uh, I think it makes sense. We've talked about this with Shang-Chi that maybe they bring in like a Chinese superstar that Americans have never heard of. Cause at this point they're saturating the U S market to the point that the next step is to like get even more Chinese box office or South Korean box office. This seems like a smart play to me from a business side. Would you guys agree? Yeah, they actually, the quote from the senior vice president, of, Mindy Hamilton, senior vice president of partnership marketing with Walt Disney. Her quote is really interesting. And it says, we've grown beyond our target audience of traditional fanboys. Now it's millennials, it's teens, it's multicultural and families. We look for partnerships that honor and celebrate each of these. So like, they're just outright saying this cast is diverse. It's intentionally diverse. We're, we're going new places. I wonder if Iger knows she's out there saying these things. I mean, if you think about it, it's really interesting because we, we spent a lot of time, and I say we, I mean, the internet spent a lot of time talking about Black Panther and Captain Marvel when they were announced. Like, all right, Disney's doing the right thing by being more diverse, but will it work? You know, will they make money? And they found that doing a movie with a black superhero and then doing one with a woman superhero got them to a billion dollars both times in the box office. And so now you can almost look at it as a cynical thing where they're like, oh, well, white guys named Chris don't make nearly as much money as a diverse cast. And so now there's almost like financial incentive for Marvel to do the right thing as well as just doing the right thing. And just correction, that quote that I just read was from the $200 million partnerships article and not this casting article, but I think it applies fairly well. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and I love my white boys named Chris, but I, I do think it's it's great that they're going in all of these new directions. And for those of you who like to leave reviews, this is where we're being apparently overtly political in our podcast. <laughs> 
because we say that we like people <laughs> from different backgrounds. How, how dare we? Or such, such political shills. How dare we be so global? Hey, um, have you guys watched Venom yet? <laughs> yes. I mean, I highly recommend it. Highly recommend. I liked Venom Two before you liked Venom, so... It's true. <sighs> 10 out of 10. It's true. Those are inside jokes. If you can figure out what they're about, more power to you. All right, um, let's talk about... Did you guys watch that Dark Phoenix trailer I sent you today? No, I didn't even know you sent us a Dark Phoenix trailer. Yeah, he trailer. did, and he said we're going to talk about this on the podcast, and... Um... Um, oh, I should probably watch um, it. Well, tell you what, for the live stream, this won't be fun. But you guys want to just like pull it up real quick and watch it, and then yeah, and it's I'll like a minute it. and a half or whatever, and then we'll talk about it. Because otherwise, okay, it's just me mute. talking. I'm, okay, I'm gonna mute myself and then I'm gonna watch it. Okay, all right, sounds good. Because I don't want you to hear it. Well, wait, you wouldn't hear it. Just kidding. I feel like Adam and I are racing. This is a thrilling shaving commercial. Oh my god, and I thought I was watching the trailer and it turned out to be a video on Minecraft. Seriously, internet. Alright, how many GD times did Cyclops yell Gene in that trailer? I feel like it's at least six. Oh man, that's something. The wigs in this are so very bad. <laughs> like, from the, we're going to space, cool. Like, I, I, uh. The one Nightcrawler shot super dope on the train or truck or whatever it was. I really like that shot. Yeah, I was pumped. There was two because there was him getting them like in and out of the uh, shuttle. And then there was him getting somebody in and out of the train. And like, I love Nightcrawler. He may be one of my favorite, if not my favorite X-Men. So like, I was excited to see as much of him as we saw in the trailer because... His attack on the White House is still probably the best X-Men scene ever, in my mind. From way back in X2, but anyway. Uh, sorry, I, I'm usually quite on... Uh, I'm usually more outspoken on this issue, but I already got in one Cyclops Twitter fight today, so... I mean, there wasn't... I don't want to get in another... It didn't seem like much Cyclops in it. Like... Every time he was on, he was yelling, yeah. Gene. He did it at least three times. Yeah. I expected more Cyclops, but... Ugh. <laughs> I mean, we did see space. Like, we had worries at some point they weren't going to go to space. It doesn't seem like they're going far into space, but they are going somewhat into space. Is that what we're calling into space? They're, go- they're in a space shuttle and people are getting dusted. Like, it looked like a dusting, didn't it? Kind of, yeah. Like, half the people in the spaceship turned to ash. It's all connected. I, I think what was weird to me was... In the last movie, in Apocalypse, didn't they tell us that Jean has, like, Phoenix powers? Like, wasn't there, like, a, a hinting near the end when she, like, powers out to stop Apocalypse that she has, like, a Phoenix Force in her? But then she gets overtaken by a Phoenix Force again on the plane? Like, that doesn't... I didn't understand that part. Yeah, I don't know. That was kind of weird. It's so, I mean, she used her powers, right? She turned into... The Phoenix or whatever. Apocalypse was so bad, though. Good lord. Um, yeah, what was that thing? It was almost Fantastic Four-esque. Like the gamma waves or whatever hit them. I didn't think that was the Phoenix Force in space, was it? I don't... Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it also seems that uh, Jessica Chastain is, like, the Phoenix Force in, like, personified? Like, because she said, like... I've I've overtaken everything in the universe except for you. Like, I got the sense that she's like the weird eyebrowless Phoenix Force. Like, it just I don't know. That whole thing seemed really goofy to me. There was one or two shots that made me happy, like the t- the shot of the team in costumes in the Blackbird. Like to me, that was just it was really super comicy. You know, for a franchise that's refused to do costumes, to see him in the blue and yellow puff jackets going out to space like there was this this movie may still be the least embarrassed that any x-men movie has been to actually be a comic book movie if that makes sense like those are the parts that are giving me hope i like how it's their very last one too yeah i mean that you know those uniforms are dope too those uniforms are probably the best part of it all so far what was that that was grant morrison stuff right yeah new x-men 
So, I don't know. This actually made me feel a little bit better. Like, this might not be totally terrible. Well, you're optimistic. <laughs> uh, the other thing we wanted to do this episode, let's talk about Cloak and Dagger. So, uh, episode three is here. I think Adam has not got to see it. So, Adam, if you want to, like, zone out or something, that's fine. Or if you want to be spoiled, that's fine. Rhiannon, I know you did not... Well, you guys already spoiled the best part, so I might as well go talk about <laughs> so it. Rhiannon... Touchdown Jesus? No, we've got to start with your Netflix. Uh, the most ham-fisted Easter egg in the history of Easter eggs in the MCU. Uh, what did you think about the Daredevil reference in episode three of Cloak and Dagger? I mean, I caught the right Daredevil reference, right? Because, like, I, I, the, the deck of cards? Yes. When I was in New York... There was a reporter there, and he taught me a thing with a deck of cards where you put names on it, and that helps you solve crimes. And I was like, hey, she's talking about Ben Urich in the most clumsy way possible. <laughs> but she kept saying she. Oh, really? I thought, because, like, I got to that scene, and I was multitasking, because I sometimes do when I'm watching stuff, but... And I was like, holy crap, she's describing using a set of cards, and then she kept saying... And she said, but maybe, maybe that was just piecing together. Maybe I just mixed it up. But yeah, yeah, the deck of cards. I mean, it looked like the exact same deck of cards from season one of Daredevil. So that was pretty cool. That was very cool. And then that led straight into a scene with a guy in Pirate's Alley, like on a soapbox and panned over. So you had that guy in Touchdown Jesus all in the same scene. And I, you guys, if you're, I mean, the little things that I love about New Orleans aren't, like, the classical things to love about New Orleans, but there's just something about standing in the French Quarter and seeing the shadow of Jesus and the way the shadow arms make it look kind of like a touchdown that, um, that's what I think of as New Orleans, and that was very cool. So going straight from a Daredevil reference to one of my little favorite New Orleans just, like, visuals was, it made me happy. Thank you, Cloak and Dagger. I'm sure the plot matters, too. Well, I was thinking, Rihanna, how hard is that to shoot? Like, the French Quarter is a busy place, even when it's not a busy place. Like, I would think it would be really hard to shoot anything without, like, tourists, like, sticking their face in front of the camera or, like, I don't know. I guess some of those shots struck me as being in places that would be difficult with just the crowds to do. Yeah, so either they shoot with the crowds there. I mean, I've been there, um, I mean, I've been, like, right down the block from there when NCIS New Orleans was filming, and they were just filming at, like, 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon, um, and just, you know, working with the crowds. I mean, that's, you know, you just have a couple of people out there. I mean, just, like, filming on a New York sidewalk. Um, I mean, with the Marvel secrecy, the other side of it is they film at, like, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, where you have far less people. So the Touchdown Jesus scene, that was on Royal Street, which is more popular during the day. But all of it, I mean, 8, 9 o'clock in the morning, 7, 8, like right at dawn, um, it's really empty and you can do whatever um, in that area. So if they wanted secrecy, they probably just did it like on a Monday morning. Or they could have just filmed in the middle of the day any day. Like, those scenes were pretty inconspicuous. But even when they were over at Pat O'Brien's later in the episode, that was probably, they probably filmed that, like, in the early morning. So, the one thing I loved about this episode, it opened up with um, the Roxxon scientist, like, creating the two mice. Which, by the way, was just twisted. Like... When that one mouse just murdered the other one, I was like, oh, okay. I love how this show goes to those places. But then I was so afraid. I I think I actually looked at my wife and was like, oh, we're going to spend the next half a season with Ty and Tandy going, oh, no, what happened with Mayhem? How does this work? What is going on? And, like, it'll take them forever to think to go to the Roxxon scientist to like get the answers. Like I hate that when one of the characters knows and the other doesn't and it takes them forever just to communicate. And then they came right back from commercial break and Ty and Tandy are sitting there with her and they go, Oh, so that's how they created another mayhem. And I was just so happy. Like it wasn't a weird drawn out, just call each other on the phone, stupid plot thing. Like as soon as one character knew the other character knew, and I feel like this, the plot on this one has just kept moving. 
there's so many points where they could do contrived, boring, you know, like TV plot stuff that would like stretch it out and make it agonizing. And they just haven't like on this, they just continually keep moving it thing to thing, to thing, to thing, you know? Yeah. You could easily see a TV show taking half a season, a whole season for you to even figure out that there were two detective, uh, what crap? O'Reilly's. Yeah. O'Reilly's that there could have been two detective O'Reilly's O'Reilly's, um, you know, and had all this mystery or, you know, led you to thinking it was disassociative identity disorder, but they didn't, they just went straight there and it was great. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Move it quickly. Well, and I don't want to ruin the ending because I think you didn't get to see the ending quite yet. And Adam hasn't got to it, but I was worried that this episode was going to be the template for the next four. Like they were going to be constantly just chasing her around and they did something at the end of this episode that brought a new element and took us to a new place. Ooh. And that was super weird and creepy and awesome. And it's just like every episode, they're like, okay, we're going to slightly reset this to get us to someplace new and exciting. And I just, I've loved the pace. There has been no like dawdling ar- along on stupid stuff. And so I have been very happy about that. So for the record, are you referring to Slidell as super weird, creepy, and awesome? It's a suburb of New Orleans oh, that okay. they reference in the episode. Oh, no, no, no. No, they um, they go to a great Marvel place. I'll put it that way. Oh. So. Hmm. I am intrigued. Adam is obviously intrigued. You he can looks, see the intrigue. He looks so excited. About emanating this. from Adam. He's not moving Sorry, on my camera, so he maybe is I dead. I feel like He's maybe we need to call the Iowa State Troopers. That would be awful. <laughs> I apologize to our listeners because this is a... <laughs> Y'all can swap me, I'm done. Don't do that. Jeez Louise. I apologize to our listeners. This is a very good Sorry, podcast. I was just playing a game on my phone. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I just... I feel like it's been clicking along well and... I love that they were doing superhero-y stuff. Like, they're trying to save the girls from the human trafficking. And they're doing it in a smart way. That's the other thing. Did you get to the part where they went to, like, the bad guy's warehouse where all the girls were? Or did you not get there? Uh, they had just stepped in there when you pinged me 10 okay. minutes early to start the podcast. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's... I love that they, they're not just fighting their way out of everything. They're like, oh, hey, let's use our powers in a clever way. Like, Cloak's power set is so good and can allow him to do things in such clever ways that don't require fighting that... But we're watching Cloak and Dagger, and I love Cloak and Dagger, and everybody tell me your Cloak and Dagger thoughts. I guess we'll just do our main conversation. Uh, We didn't want to talk any more Endgame, because we don't want to risk any spoiler issues and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to do our Infinity War Saga retrospective. Uh Rhiannon suggested this a week or two ago, and we kind of half did it, and I think we can do it probably better this week. Um, I just, I don't know, take a minute to look back, because everything is going to be endgame, 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 and uh, then it's going to, um, uh, and then it's going to go from that to looking forward to the future of the MCU, so, um, yeah, so let's, uh, let me start here. Adam, Rhiannon, what did you guys, uh, when did you start getting into the MCU? Like, were you there for Daredevil at the start, or did it take you a while to get interested? I was there at Daredevil for the start, but it was at the start of Daredevil. I mean, I started reading comics because I was excited about Daredevil coming out. Um, which our longtime listeners know. We talked about that in, like, episode three. Keep up, people. Um, I, but... After watching Daredevil, I went back and I did, at the time, what everybody was saying was the chronology of the MCU. So I did Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., or I I think like Captain America and then Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then Winter Soldier and somewhere I did the Iron Man. I don't know. I did them in the order that whoever it was, Collider or whatever, had the chronological order of the MCU at the time. Um, With the, like, stop, watch Winter Soldier, go back, watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. um, situation. And, uh, I liked it. And I was really surprised getting into the MCU, how much I liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like that show is so surprisingly good 
And I think it's easy to, you know, I think over the years it's gone up and down and there were times where we were kind of done with it and it's come back and it's become like a really good show. And, um, but it was really solid from the beginning too. Yeah. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. season one is a horrible, horrible, horrible thing. Um, it's probably the weakest, um, of the series. So there's that. Watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's a good show. Um, to answer your question, I, I came in, when was it? Between, what's after the Avengers? Was that Cap 2? I don't know. I came in shortly after the Avengers. Um, I don't even know why I got involved in it. I uh, bought comics and stuff growing up. Obviously, the whole family does. So were you like 12? When the Avengers came out? No, I was like 8. <laughs> I was seriously, I'm seriously wow, like doing the math in my head, and I'm like, no, you weren't. No, I wasn't. I was, what was that? I was 20 years old. That was only seven years ago? Wow. Was the Avengers? It feels like a decade, like two decades ago. Um, so yeah, right around the Avengers, after the Avengers. I was aware of it beforehand. I know I went to uh, Iron Man on opening week. I don't think I went to Incredible Hulk in theaters. Um, and I definitely didn't go to Thor or the first Avenger in theaters. I know that. Um, so that's my entry point into the MCU. I came in, you know, after the first team up. Um, is that what you're looking for? Our MCU origins? Yeah. I know for me, like, um, it really, it was Avengers that got me totally into it. Like I was aware of the other movies, but I don't know. I think it took me like a year to see Iron Man. It was like down on my Netflix queue back when I was getting physical discs, you know? And so it took a long time to kind of get into it. And so, um, it took me, yeah, it, it, it wasn't, but then once I saw Avengers and I saw exactly what they were doing and where they were going, I was like, Oh geez. Okay. That's, that's cool. You know, that's exciting. I'm really, I'm into that. And so, um. Yeah, that's that. It took me a little bit to get there, but um. Yeah, that was it. I mean, I have to say, I did see Iron Man on a plane in 2010, but I didn't have my earbuds in, so I was kind of like just watching it, but not knowing what they were saying. But it looked really interesting. It just took me, you know, another five six years to actually watch it with sound. So, Adam, looking back, um. I mean, obviously things have changed a bit from just kind of like watching the movies to now like it being your job almost for these things to come through. Um, I mean, the MCU is is the thing that I think propelled you to do that, right? Like, um, what was it about these movies you think that captured your attention? It's not like Indiana Jones movies got you to do comic book journalism, you know? Like, what was what happened that really? For you, what, what, what captured your attention? Uh, I mean, what really gave me a passion for it is right around when Guardians came out, quite frankly. Um, you know, I, I love Guardians for a whole variety of, variety of, variety of stuff. Of stuff. And they virtually went as deep as possible with into their mythos to make a, a feature film with virtually unheard of characters. Like, like I... I'm not sure there are are many characters that were smaller than these characters were at the time. You know, uh, Sleepwalker. What was that Spike Lee movie that they were going to make? Um, you know, characters like that, maybe. But even then, it's, it's pretty much the same level the Guardians were. So it was just kind of that, uh, that ballsy risk they took. Um, that ended up completely panning out. I mean, Guardians is is a comic book movie through and through. You know, it's got the campiness and it's got the little bit of seriousness and the huge cosmic space battles and such. Um, so, I mean, that's that's really what pushed me, I guess, is the whole uh, comic bookiness of the movie. Um. Yeah, I don't even know how uh, why I why I got started at MCUX. To be honest, I don't know what pushed me to 
you know, talk to whoever was running the, the Facebook page at the time. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. Just kind of thought to do it. Yeah, and I mean, that I, that goes for all three of us. You know, I mean, obviously, we wouldn't be sitting here talking once a week for a couple hours each week about this, you know, if we really, really, really didn't like it, you know. I mean, this is, is a huge part of many people's lives, uh, millions and millions of people. Um, yeah, I don't know. That kind of answers your question in a roundabout way. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because for me, it started to just get me emotionally, you know, like, and maybe that's what you're saying a little bit with Guardians, like, they stopped being just superhero movies at some point and started to feel like they were more important than that. Like, and I don't want to get all pretentious and ridiculous, like, there's a lot of people that are doing important things in the world and these are just comic books. But, um, I don't know, I think it's what's really cool about what Marvel Studios has done is, like, there is a like a moral compass to these movies like they're actually talking about important moral and philosophical issues in the way they do these movies i mean the russo brothers have talked about just kind of falling into appropriate kind of discussions within the larger culture as they filmed the films and i think that's where it started to transcend it for me is as we started to go from avengers into phase two I don't know. There was just more important conversations going on. Like winter soldier was one of those first movies that engaged those in a really interesting way. And I've, I've always loved the way that Marvel has done that. Um, you know, well, I think to try to talk about something a little higher and a little deeper and they've gone even more into it. You know, as we talked about with like black Panther and and, and captain Marvel, I just needed somebody to talk to every week. So I kept showing up. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. It was lonely in the Virgin Islands. No. Um, I, I mean, you know, I went on to MCUX because I was unemployed and just sort of wanted some writing experience. And I was passionate about one particular corner of everything. But as I explored more of the MCU, it was just good. I mean, that's, you know, there's just consistently good entertainment. And I kept with it. Um. I mean, looking back, we've talked about our movie rankings. Is there is there one of these movies that you look back on and it has a particularly fond memory for you? Like, is a particularly emotional connection to any of these movies when you go back and you think about them? I mean, each one for me, I mean, some of them have like a very specific memory for me. I mean, Black Panther, I saw... Yeah, I was just in New York City for like four days to apartment hunt because I had just accepted a job here. And I got to go to, you know, I happened to get tickets to a screening. So I, I, and I met up with Michael T. Ford on like a cold February, you know, in New York City. And if I hadn't gone to the screening, I wouldn't have walked through the certain neighborhood where I found my specific apartment. And um, I don't know. So like that one beyond the movie itself had a big impact kind of on my life kind of sort of or I associate it with a big part of my life um and just the feeling of seeing that movie that movie it just really felt like I was sitting through something completely different completely new completely game-changing um so yeah I mean like I have I have some memories with that uh memories uh not really i mean i don't know why this one came to my my mind i'm not sure if i was sick or what but i spent all of dr strange not trying to throw up is that is that like that's a memory right that answers the question uh no i just wasn't feeling well and it didn't help that i went to a imax 3d showing of dr strange I don't know why that was the first one to come to mind. Um, so that's that's one of the reasons why I went to Doctor Strange uh, more than once in theaters. Um, yeah, that was, I don't I, like I said I have no idea why I instantly gravitated towards that, but there you go. Yeah, I think the the one that always sticks out to me is um, Civil War, particularly that airport fight scene. 
like somewhere along the way I figured out part of the reason I love these Marvel movies is cuz they still get me excited like I was a kid. Like, I don't know. I sound old and jilted, but like you get to a point in life where um like things just don't excite you like they used to, you know, like when you're a kid it was like Christmas is coming. Awesome. Or it's my birthday. Or like, there's so many things that like really bump you up. And then you get to like 30 and you're like, eh, nothing in life is that exciting. You just keep on plugging along until you die. And then <laughs> these movies came along and like watching Ant-Man blow up to giant man. I was like, I felt emotionally like I did when I was a kid and would turn on Spider-Man, the animated cartoon show, you know, like, it had a way of kind of bringing youth back to me, which I think is just something that I'm really thankful about the MCU and that these movies, I think it's part of the reason I love this stuff and I don't like, um, and I really don't enjoy the DC stuff. It's like, it seems like the DC stuff, and I'm not trying to bag on DC. I'm just saying like a lot of those movies are, are dark and, and trying to like deal with the depths of life and the scary things. And, Marvel movies like just allow you to be have fun, you know. It's like going to Disney World, and so I don't know. That's that's what always comes to my mind is just the fun and the kid like joy of watching Civil War and those guys go at it and all that kind of stuff. So let me ask you this: You say you look forward to these movies. I mean, what's your current thought on Endgame? Because I know we're going to have separate questions or separate responses, answers when it comes to this. I mean, do do you think? Since we've looked forward to Avengers Endgame so long, do you think you're going to be sad when it arrives? Are you going to be ecstatic? Are you going to be what? Because personally, I'm going, I think I'll be, at least I'm, at this point, I'm just wanted here so I can be relieved. You know, I think once I sit through Endgame and we get through it, I think I'll just take a sigh of relief and go, huh, finally, you know? Somehow, I am managing not to have in-game anxiety. I don't know if it's because I know I'm going to get to see it a tad bit early. Um, or if it's just that I don't care anymore. Or that it's so far out of our control. But I honestly keep forgetting that it's so close. I mean, one week from today, I should be in the theater watching it. Um, which is earlier than one week from whenever everybody's listening to this podcast. It'll be much closer when everybody's listening to this podcast. But, um, and I keep forgetting that it's that soon. It's so soon. Like, it's almost like one of those things, like, like when you're looking forward to Christmas as a kid and it's almost there and it's almost there. And then like, all of a sudden it feels like time jumps and suddenly it's here. Or, I mean, like, I, you know, like, you're looking forward to something and then, oh, my, or you're looking forward to a vacation and then, oh, my God, I don't have time to do laundry and pack and all of this. How did my vacation get here so soon? Um, I'm sort of having that feeling for Endgame. I, I think I'm going to be super relieved when the Marvel stuff, like, starts scrolling and the movie starts and I haven't been spoiled. Like, right now I'm just in, like, DEFCON 5 about I don't want this movie to be ruined. Um, so yeah, the, the spoiler thing will make me feel better, but I think I'm going to be happy when it's over that, um, I'm happy there's going to be an ending and I don't know if this is going to make any sense, but I thought about this week. Um, I would be really ticked if I like died before there was some kind of closure to some of these stories. And I know at this point that Marvel is going to keep on going and I'm going to die before MCU movie like 198 or 280 or whatever, like whatever, I don't know when, but eventually I'll probably go before the MCU ends. But I like the idea that there's going to be enough closure here that I can feel like, okay, I'll never miss, like I didn't miss it. Like I saw the beginning to the end. I've seen the whole thing. I've seen the story. I've seen it completed. And that I can be like satisfied that that had happened. Because we've talked before if we wanted the MCU to ever end. And I've always been on the side that I do because I kind of don't want to feel like I'm going to miss out on it just because of my human mortality. And so I think there's going to be something exciting about seeing this saga come to a conclusion. Right. You don't want to leave a Marvel, Marvel legacy for your children to experience fresh and new. I mean, it's that's great, yeah. But 
I'm selfish. Like I, I, I care about them, but I care about me too. So <laughs> do you guys have worry? And we'll, we'll leave Adam out of this part just in case he got spoiled on something. Rhiannon, do you feel worry about characters leaving? Like when you look back on the saga, are you going to be sad if there's characters that don't come back? I've been just emotionally preparing to say goodbye to any of our original Avengers. I mean, and I mean, to me, it's such a certain fact, like, this is the end of any or all of the original Avengers. Who knows if that's true? Who knows if it happens? Who knows how it's going to go about happening? You know, there's all of this speculation. Um, but I'm okay with it. I mean, and I'm sure they will find a way to rip our heart out. Knowing no matter who it is, no matter what's going to happen, no matter, you know, knowing somebody is going to die and seeing the way in which it happens are two completely different things will still be impactful that will still be a that this first viewing experience of this movie is still going to have a punch to it no matter and if not i i i would be disappointed i feel like infinity war helped prepare me because there's that moment infinity war where um tony gets stabbed by thanos And, and Dr. Strange like bargains for his life, you know? And in that moment, like I was sure that was it. Like I was sure that's how Tony goes. And so I feel like, oh, okay. I've experienced that now. Like I know how that feels. I'm more ready now. If he or someone else is to go, I don't know. I just feel like Infinity War helped prep me for that. Uh, and the dusting helped prep me for right, that too. Right. So. It sounds kind of overdramatic, but we won't talk again, like, in person until this thing is kind of wrapped in Endgame and moved on to this new, brave new place. It's, and so It's just time for it, you know? Because um, I don't want to, you know, crap talk Cap or Iron Man or Thor um, or any of that. But, I mean, three three movies in a franchise, you know, that's... That's a lot of time. And then even then, you know, four Avengers movies. So it is time to, to get the these new heroes in and, and start building new franchises, whether it be the Eternals, whether it be Shang-Chi, whether it be Captain Marvel. You know, there's still a Guardians 3 out there somewhere. And then at one point, James Gunn had wanted to kind of branch off the cosmic stuff into its own universe. So I, there's certainly much more ahead. Um, and that's kind of what I'm excited for. I, I'm kind of already in the the phase four mode. You know, I, I'm all towards that. I have felt a lot of nostalgia about these phase, phase one, two, and three because they're characters I kind of knew. But the reality is I'm kind of excited about what's coming because I don't, I don't know Shang-Chi well enough to have any idea what that movie is going to be like. And this Eternals movie, I really don't know what that's going to be. And, you know, if the next Avengers is Captain Marvel, Black Panther, Doctor Strange, and Ant-Man, you know, like, is a lot of these, like, newer characters and not as many of the OG Avengers. I don't know what that movie will feel like, but I'm kind of excited to move into a Marvel era where I'm going to be more and more surprised. Like, Winter Soldier is a great movie, but the fact that the Winter Soldier was Bucky didn't surprise any of us. And we kind of, you know, we could kind of guess where things were going. And the more they move forward, the more that even comic book fans are going to be throwing curveballs that they don't know well. Like, nobody, I mean, someone, but most people are not big Eternals fans. And so that movie is going to be surprising and shocking and twisting in a way they don't expect. And I think that's what I'm excited about. Um, I'll always remember this fondly because of that nostalgia, but I'm kind of ready to be into uncharted territory. And I'm excited for them to tell more and more new stories. That's part of what's been great about this end game is I don't know what the plot of this movie is. And I don't think it's really based on a comic whatsoever. And I think that's cool. Just think it's going to be to the point someday where we're talking to the grandchildren and say, Oh, Back in my day, you know, the MCU had Captain America and Iron Man. Will they recast those characters? Do you ever think they'll recast those characters? I think it depends on how they end it. And again, I don't want to get anywhere near, like, spoilers or anything, but, like, I think there's ways that they could make these characters go away that would allow them to come back and be like, 
I've escaped from the negative zone and I'm different now. Or, you know, after spending years off on a distant planet safeguarding the space stone, I'm back and it's changed my (laughs) face a little bit. You know, like, I think there's ways they could do that kind of stuff. All right. um, I don't plan on looking at the mailbag just to be super safe. So thanks for sending us mails, mail guys. We appreciate it, but... Uh, um, yeah, you know. Did you want to talk some BO quick as our last thing or box oh, office? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Box office? Yeah, We're yeah. We're deodorant to that three hours of show, guys. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> That's our BO. Please awesome. don't don't turn it into a con floor. Yeah. Please. Which it probably will be. So where's box office? Oh, I don't at, know where it's sitting at. I talked to uh, one guy. I can't say yet, um, but he's saying two point four billion. It'll come in um, worldwide, of course. Um, final. Um, he, he said it would probably um, it only come in about two eighty five for opening weekend. So I mean, it's still enough to be the most the biggest weekend of opening weekend of all time. Um, but you know, it would be nice and sexy to get that 300. Um, so that's where I don't, I have no idea. I guess, um, I'm a lot more optimistic on this, um, now than I was before tickets went on sale, obviously. I mean, I was pretty optimistic beforehand, but just these pre-sale things, I mean, it's, it's unprecedented, you know, and that's why I don't, we haven't gotten really too many tracking reports. You know, because right now it's a total crapshoot. Even the the most professional um, people can't can't accurately estimate this. Um, so I don't. I think uh, I can't remember what I put on a post. I did a box office post a couple weeks back, a week, ten days or so, uh, maybe two point five ish. Um, I can't remember what I put in there between two point three and two point five. I think. Um, but doesn't all of this come down into how rewatchable it is? I mean, it all comes down to an assumption that people will go back and want to watch this over and over. And it's kind of harder to predict how much people will want to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm totally with you, Rhiannon. I I think that box office will depend on how people feel leaving the theater. And if they leave people with a feeling of like, dude, that was awesome. I have to see that again. When, you know, when can I see it tomorrow? I think it's possible to overshoot a lot of these targets. I think it's possible that it's the highest grossing movie of all time. I think it can beat that Avatar number if it's the kind of movie that people see on Friday night and they're like, I'm making space in my Saturday to see it again. Or that two, three weeks from now, people go, you know, I could go see Aladdin, but I'd really rather see Endgame one more time in the theaters. Like, that's how you beat those records. Um, I think it'll beat Infinity War... I, I think they're pretty safe to beat Infinity War by 10, 15%. But the question is, if they go that much over that to making like huge all-time records, as you said, Rhiannon, it's how much people want to go back and watch it over. Yeah, because I think a lot of people left Infinity War. I mean, yes, the diehards went back and watched it two or three times trying to find, or you know, many, many times, trying to find clues and see details and, you know, go through all that. But like... It wasn't the enjoyable type experience that you're just going to have playing in the background over and over that you want to go and see, you know, let's do something fun Saturday. Like, for every day, everybody. Um, and I think in game, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the long term, like if people want to go and sit through it. I mean, it's three hours long. Do you want to go sit through that again? Can you go sit through that again? You know, are people going to have enjoyable experiences at the theater? You know, how many people are going to be tweeting on Monday, you know, by Monday, that they were trying to, you know, at a, some special moment, somebody climbed over them because they had to go to the bathroom. You know, a lot of that, we're in, you know, new territory. I mean, not necessarily new. Titanic was three hours, but still. My personal gut um, I'm just going to say that I think it's going to be the biggest of all time because I'm really trusting that the Russos they've talked about, you know, people said describe it in one word in these stupid interviews. And they've said things like cathartic, 
or satisfying. And so it is my it's my belief that this movie is going to feel incredibly good when it's over and that's going to cause people to go back over and over and over again. So we had this conversation last year. I mean, there's no way Endgame's a bad movie, I don't right? Think so. No, I don't think so. Right. I mean, it's good. It should be noted that it probably will happen sometime. But yeah, I don't. It's not. It can't be this game or game. This movie. Well, some of it is that they did it at the same time they did Infinity War, so it would just be really weird for them to do something as great as Infinity War and then drop the ball. And they've said this is the easier movie to make, so I'm trusting the Russos. All right, with that, we're going to sign off, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. You can interact with us a lot of ways. Send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. Also, you can communicate with us via marvelnewsdesk.com post each week. If you want to support the show, give us a dollar a month or more over at patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. That'll get you access to uh, special uh, podcasts that are available only to our Patreon supporters and at some levels also let you see the live stream. Um, A note on the live stream, it's all messed up this week because we're trying new technology because we have to because YouTube is making changes. Um, I think we're going to be able to at least get you early access. Apologies if you tried to watch the live stream and it didn't work correctly. Um, We're going to try to get that fixed. It's just, you know, we don't have a full-time tech guy, which we did. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, you can help the show be more visible if you give us a five-star review on iTunes. And you know what? A lot of you have given us five-star reviews, but also say a nice word or two, because we've noticed that the people who give us lower reviews tend to be grumpy and they write more. So give us a five-star review and a I love you guys. The number one thing you can do every week, however, is listen and tell your friends, and we appreciate it. Thanks to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V Cox. And thanks to Alvin for the theme music. You can find him on uh, social media as at the Skull School. Uh, he's also doing a cool project uh, for the Weekly Planet. They were talking about Alvin this week, and it made me feel more credible. I was like, oh, he's doing something for them, and he's already done something for us. We're a real podcast. So, anyways, we love you, Alvin. Thanks so much uh, for the song and all that stuff. All right, guys, enjoy your week. Avoid those spoilers. And uh, next week is we're, we're really in the end game now. So see you later.